Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, awesome. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. I have so much to share. Oh, man, it's going to be hard for me to squeeze this all into one message, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to talk fast, so I want you to listen fast. Can I have an amen? Last week, we kind of kicked off this idea, this series, Ready or Not, Here I Come. And it was birthed really out of just our staff and our team and our leaders as we pray for you, as we consider the world in which we live. You know, the Bible says God wants us to understand the times and the seasons in which we live. And one thing I'm so thankful for this book, God hasn't just created us and put us here on planet earth and said, hey, figure it out. Aren't you thankful that God's given us some instruction? Man, God's given us a way forward, and he's painted the picture for us. In Matthew chapter 24, he kind of paints a picture of signs of the end times. We talked about that last week. He says, you know, when you see earthquakes and famines, and, and there will be nation that will rise up against nation. When you see false prophets and mass deception, know that that's the beginning of the end. He says, sin will be rampant. The love of many will grow cold. There will be those that will fall away. The scripture says there will be a great falling away from truth. The Bible says that those who love Jesus will be persecuted because of their loyalty and allegiance to him. How many of you know we're seeing signs of this happening all around us? He says, when you see these things begin to happen and the gospel goes forth to the ends of the earth, then you'll know that the time of my return is near. And so that was Matthew 24. In response to that, Jesus gives us two stories back to back. Now, last week we talked about the story, the parable of the bridesmaids. Remember, we talked about the five wise and the five foolish. And the whole purpose that Jesus told that story for was uh, the lesson was for us to be prepared, for us to Get ready. His return is near, and he wants his church to be ready. So he tells this story of the the bridesmaids, and then on the heels of that, he gives us another parable, and it's the parable of the talents. Now, let me be quick to say this. When, When Jesus tells stories back to back, there's significance behind that, okay? He's telling a second parable for one of two reasons either to reinforce what he taught in the first parable or to enhance something that the first parable didn't convey. Okay, so the the, the first story of the bridesmaids was for us to get ready. But this story, the parable of the talents, on the heels of that is for us to be productive. What do we do while we wait for his return? Are you ready? Matthew 25, verse 14, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money. Now, I want you to circle that phrase or underline that in your Bible. He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to to their abilities. He then left on his 
trip. Now, I want you to see immediately what's happening here, okay? And and there's a lesson right out of these first couple of verses, and I want you to write this down. Number one, God has deposited something valuable in you, okay? There is something of value inside of you. Now, let me ask you this question. When, When the master brought the servants together and he gave them, this translation says, bags of silver, Okay, whose resource was that? Did it belong to the servants or did it belong to the master? It came from the master. It wasn't theirs, but it was entrusted to them. Now, silver here can be translated into the word talent. That's a little more familiar, the the parable of the talents. But he's not talking necessarily about something of monetary value. Okay. Now, some scholars and their study and dissecting of this passage, they break down talent. What is the worth or the value of a talent? And some scholars estimate one talent to be the equivalent of $640,000. How many thinks that would be pretty cool on, on a day to get a talent? $640,000 for one talent. And yet there was a servant who got five talents, about $3.2 million. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Mm-mm. I can help you calculate 10% of $3.2 million if you ever get five talents. Listen, God did not give us something small. He did not give us something cheap. He gave us something very valuable. Can I have a good Amen. There is something of value that God has deposited inside of you. It's like he took a piece of himself. He says, this part of me, I want to place inside of you. Now, when we talk about talents, and a talent represents either a natural ability, a spiritual ability, an opportunity, or a resource, okay? I want you to think about this. Some of you have a natural gift. You do what you do, and it just seems easy, you know? But that is a God-given ability that he's placed inside of you. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll see somebody doing something, and you're thinking, man, I could never do that. You know, there's a friend of mine that's a surgeon, and sometimes we'll talk about what he does, and I'm like, oh, my God. How many of you just get sick at the sight of blood? I'm like, dude, I cannot do what you do. But God's given him a gift. This is a talent, an ability. Some of them are natural. Some of them are spiritual. There are spiritual gifts, teaching and leadership, administration, hospitality. Some of us have opportunities. Uh, You've got a circle of influence. You've got a family. You've got friends. And you have a, a perimeter of influence God has entrusted you with. Some of you have resources. You've got time. You've got energy. You've got attention. Now, I want to tell you this. God will give you talents. He will give you abilities for kingdom purpose. When God saves you, he doesn't just save you to keep you out of hell. Come on, somebody. I mean, thank God for that. If the whole purpose for us being saved was for us to avoid hell, as soon as you say yes to Jesus, he would take you straight to heaven. Are you with me? But God saves you, and then he entrusts you with gifts talents and abilities to enlist you in kingdom work. Can I have a good amen? Now notice this, they were given talents in proportion to their capacity. Five, two, and one. 
Now, I know we kind of look at this and we say, well, what if I was that one talent, Tom? Just one talent. Let's call him Tom for, for, for conversation. If your name is Tom, God bless you. We love you. This is not try to devalue you whatsoever, but I want to personalize this. If you're, if you're one talent, Tom, and man, there's a tendency to think, wait a second, what about that dude got five? How come I only have one? This is it? This $640,000 value, this is all I got. There's a tendency to look at the gifts of others and devalue the gift God's given you. When we're so consumed with what others have, then we're not responsible with what we've been given. Can I have a good amen? No, this, this is big. Start with what you have. Don't complain about the things you don't have. God has placed something of value in you. In fact, I would encourage you to write this down. Happy is the man who operates in his own gift. Miserable is the man who's jealous of somebody else's gift. Come on, can I have a better amen this morning? Happy is the man who operates in his own gift. Now, I'll tell you, one of the best ways for you to discover what God has entrusted to you is a small group. When you're involved in small group community, there are some gifts that are maybe unrecognizable to you, but in the context of community, they're discovered and developed. The Bible says this master called together three of his servants, gave five, two, and one talent to them. Look at what it says in verse 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. The second thing I want you to see is this. Now, we're going to spend some time here. But number two, your potential is your responsibility. Your potential. First of all, you need to know God has placed something of value inside of you. Uh, and don't be discouraged. Well, I can't sing like this person. I can't play an instrument like that person. I don't have the leadership capacity. You have something, okay? He's entrusted something to you. But number two, your potential is your responsibility. Hold nobody else responsible for your potential but you. Now, notice in this passage here, when the master calls the servants together, he entrusts them with something, but he doesn't give them any instruction. He doesn't even tell them what to do with it. But immediately, the Bible says, the five-talent and two-talent servant, the Bible says, immediately they went to work. Can I tell you this? When God gives you a gift... When God gives you an ability, it's not just for you, it's for somebody else. But you got to get to work and put that thing to use. Now, your gift on you, it's not for you. But the gift on you will require you to work to develop it. You know, if you see like a professional athlete or a, a concert pianist, you can look at that and say, oh, well, man, it just comes so natural to them. Can I tell you, don't buy into that for a second. They may have some natural ability, but it took countless hours of work and discipline and dedication and devotion to hone that skill and to develop that craft. And what started as five soon became 10. 
Do, do you see that? You see what happened here in the passage? The, the guy with five talents, five bags of silver, he went to work, and immediately he earned five more. Five became ten. Somebody say double. Mm-mm. The, the guy with two talents, two bags of gold, went to work, and two became four. Somebody say double. Well, here's what I feel in my spirit for this house, that God has entrusted us with great gifts. We have tremendous opportunity, and when we put those gifts to work, we double our capacity for the kingdom. Somebody say double. How many of you believe in God for double this year? Okay, now now, you're not as excited about this as I am. You see, sometimes in seasons like this, we just want to hunker down. Come on, talk to me. We just want to hunker down and hold on. But the Bible gives us a clear example. When you've been given much, put it to work, and what's much becomes even more. How many of you are not satisfied with where you are? Uh, Hey, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Man, I'm moving forward. God, you've given me five, two, whatever you placed in my hand, Lord, I'm going to get to work. You know, I remember when uh, I first asked my dad the keys for the car. How many know that's always an interesting moment right there? Any parents that have kids that are driving? Do you remember that, that, that conversation, that the first time when they get their license, I mean, and it's like, for real, you're not in the car, and they're going to take it for a little spin? How many know you need great faith? I think sometimes God will give you kids to just increase your prayer life. Can I have a good Amen. First time I asked my, my dad for the keys to the car, and, and my dad was driving uh, the, one of the family cars at the time was a 1968 Plymouth Fury 3. 68 Plymouth. And he dated my mama in that car. This car was huge. It was like a tank. And it was yellow, like a big banana driving down the road. Dad, can I have the keys to the car? And of course, there's the conversation about responsibility and being careful and hands at positions of 10 and 2. Come on, checking your mirrors and, you know, speed limits, all that stuff. Famous last words, careful, be be careful. And of course, I was careful until I got around the corner and I'm out of sight. And then I look at the speedometer. Did you know that that 68 Plymouth could go 140 miles an hour? I mean, literally, the, 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 the speedometer said this vehicle has the potential to go 140. Now, so I said, well, let's just see what this yellow banana can do. And I put the pedal to the floor. And let me tell you, at about 55, 60 miles an hour, that whole thing began to shake, man. I thought it was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost had swept into that vehicle. I'm like, no wonder dad drives slow. This car can't go over 60. And I thought, what a shame. It was built with the potential of 140. Come on, you know where I'm going with this now. It had the capacity, the the manufacturer, the way it was engineered and constructed. It should have been able to go, not to say, dad, that I would ever take it 140. But, you know, I I thought about that example. Why would we ever be satisfied with 60 when we were built for 140? Some of you are, are settling for something less than God's best. He's entrusted something to you. He's deposited a piece of himself. Listen, that's not a small thing. When God, How many know just a little bit of God can change everything in the world? 
And God would take a little bit of himself and deposit that inside of you, that gift, that talent, that ability. I mean, some of you have great relationship skills. I mean, some of you are, are great thinkers. You, you've got great leadership capacity. Some of you are great with your hands. You can fix things. And I mean, Some of you are great team builders. Some of you are problem solvers. Can I tell you, where did that gift come from? It came from the Lord himself. And it's our responsibility to honor God with the things that he has put inside of us. And I look at this church, and I'm, I don't know whether we're a five-talent church, a two-talent church, or a one-talent church. But whatever God has given us, we're going to put it to work. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to double the opportunity. Can I have a good amen? You see, listen, your re- potential is your responsibility. Now, one-talent Tom, well, he didn't lose it. He didn't spend it. What did he do? He simply hid. He buried what he was given. Some people say, well, man, Christianity is just so boring. It's just so boring. There's not really excitement to it. You know what that tells me? You have buried what God has placed inside of you. You've hidden this thing that was sacred and special and has the potential not just to change the world but to change your world, and you've hidden it. Can I tell you this? There is no excuse for being bored in the body of Christ. There is no excuse. That's why I can't imagine coming to church and it being boring. Are you kidding me? Man, God has placed something inside of you that somebody else needs. And if you're bored in your faith, then you're not using your gifts. Come on, are you catching this today? Jesus is telling this story. uh, And remember the context. Hey, I'm coming back. The signs of the end times. Be ready. Five wise bridesmaids. Have your lamps filled with oil. Be ready. But I want you to be useful. I want you to use what I've given you. Now, look at what it says in verse 19. After a long time. Somebody say long time. It's been a minute, but after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more, and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. Now, look at what the response of the master is, verse 21. The master was full of praise. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. How many of you know the reward for good work is not a vacation? It's more work. Come on, talk to me. You've handled well what I've given you. I'm giving you more. Now listen, what you don't realize is this is a parable that's pointing to the millennial reign. The the thousand year reign with Christ. You and I will rule and reign with Jesus. We're not going to be sitting on some cloud, strumming a harp, having our angels wings, just lazy, eating grapes. How many know there's going to be work for us to do in the new kingdom? And I don't know what God's called you to do today, but if you're faithful with what you have today, you will be given many more responsibilities in the kingdom to come. Oh, I love this. The reward for good work is not a vacation. It's more work. He says, I'm going to give you more. Lord, put it on me. 
give me more. Verse 22, the servant who had the two bags of silver came forward. Master, you gave me two bags to invest. I have earned two more. The master in like, in like manner says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, let me stop right here and say this. The third thing I want you to write down is this. Number three, we will give an account for what we've been given. Accountability. There is going to be a day of accountability. Now notice, the master is talking to this, these servants individually. Notice the five talent first. The two, we're going to get to the one talent servant in just a minute. Five talent, I'm going to talk to you first. Two talent, I'm going to talk to you second. This was not a group project. How many remembers being in school and having to work on a group project? The worst. D did you not hate group projects? Why? What was it about a group project that you didn't? Now, some of you may have really liked a group project because you're thinking, man, I don't plan on doing much of anything, but I know she's smart. Put me in her group, right? If you didn't like group projects, that tells me that you knew you were going to put forth the effort. You were going to do what was required. You were going to invest the time and the study and the diligence, but everybody was going to get the same grade. And those that didn't care about their grades, come on, somebody, they got to just fly on your coattails. Did that aggravate anybody? Oh, yeah, I want to, like, call a, a, an appointment with the teacher and be like, look, this dude over here, he don't, he's never been to any discussion. He's contributed nothing. Please don't give him a, if I did the work of 100, don't give him 100, right? Can I tell you this? As it relates to your relationship with God, it's not a group project. You and I will stand before him and give an account for what we did. God's not even going to ask you, when you stand before the Lord, he's not going to ask you, what did your church do? Oh, it's getting quiet in here. You know, sometimes it's easy to live vicariously through a church, but not take personal responsibility with your contribution. Well, no, 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 I, I go to that church. I mean, we, we, did, we, 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 we helped in the inner city, and, and we did a lot of mission. Okay, what part did you, what did you do? Watch this. I think God's going to ask us two questions. First of all, when we stand before him, he's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? And then he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Come on, are, are you with me? There is a, a, a day of accountability, and Jesus tells us this story to prepare us. You know, I, I thought about this this week, and we have to live each day in light of this moment. And I don't say this based out of fear, but it is a sobering consideration for us to realize that one day we will stand before God Almighty. You are going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what he's entrusted to you. And if you realize that, then every day you want to make a difference. Now, every day you want to learn and grow. Every day you want to give your very best. Because one day you will stand before the Lord and he's going to say, well, what did you do with the things that I gave you? You know what's encouraging is 
you don't have to live for the opinions of thousands of people. You don't have to. You don't have to kill yourself to meet the expectations of the multitude. You just got to be responsible to hear the words of one man. Just one. Living for an audience of one. You see, I know that there's a lot of criticism out there, and there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure. But you know what? I'm living my entire life to hear five words from one man. I want to hear the Lord God Almighty say, well done, good, faithful servant. That's all I care about. You and I may be criticized and condemned and take heat from a lot of other people, but if we can remember, this is about the the verdict of one man. I'm just in it for one man, Jesus. If I can please Jesus, then it doesn't matter if I disappoint everybody else. Come on, somebody. Man, it doesn't matter. Man, I I can't be a, 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 a servant to the opinions of the multitude. I'm committed to the to the verdict of of one man. Well done, good, faithful, sir. Five words. Some of us, we need to get back to that. Man, you're living to please everybody. How many know if you're trying to please everybody, you're going to be miserable? It is exhausting. But if you, those five words, I call it the high five. When I get to heaven, I want Jesus to give me a high five. Well done, good, faithful, sir. Uh, 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 right there. Yes! That day's going to be awesome. I'm not going to struggle across the finish line. I'm going to see Jesus. He's going to see me. And and, in Jesus' name, I believe I'm going to hear these words. Well done. Good. Faithful. Sir. Time to celebrate good times. Come on. I'm going to come rolling up into heaven. Man, hey, I fought some battles. Maybe I lost some battles, but Lord, you've never lost a battle. Man, you're the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight champion. Oh, man, where I fell short, God, your your strength entered into my weakness. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look at verse 24. Let me hustle. Let me hustle. Are you guys into this? Come on. Praise God. Verse 24. Let Let me wrap this up as quickly as I can. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Okay, underline that. I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Can I tell you this? Fear. You got to be careful with fear. Let me quickly go over this, this last portion. This could be a message in and of itself. Fear will cause you to misjudge the character of the master. He says, I knew you to be a harsh man. Oh, really? He's harsh? You see, if you don't have the right picture of God, then you're going to respond the wrong way. Can I say that again? Fear will cause you to misjudge the character of the master. How you see Jesus will determine what you do for him. Is he harsh or is he gracious? You see, if you know God to be harsh, then you're going to hide and bury what he's given you. But if you know God to be gracious, you're going to be anxious to use it for his glory. Fear will cause you to misjudge the character of the master, but it'll also cause you to bury your talent. He said, I I knew you were harsh and I was afraid, so I, I hid it. And I wrote down this word hunker. Everybody say hunker. Now, not hunger, but hunker. 
Have you heard that word? How many have said that word before? That's an odd word, is it not? I had to look it up to make sure I knew what the word hunker meant. And you know what I found? It's kind of paired with the phrase hunker down. In South Louisiana, we know how to hunker down, don't we? Hey, the storm's coming. Man, they're they're, they're ordering an evacuation. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm just going to hunker down. Hunker. I don't know. There's like a, uh, I don't know how you. Are you with, have you ever thought about that? This is odd, is it not? I just want to kind of hunkering. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hunker down and ride it out. Come on, have we said that? Is that so South Louisiana? I love it. We're just going to hunker down and ride it out. Some of us think that, you know, with the pandemic and all the craziness and all the restrictions and the social unrest and, and everything, that I mean, this is an election year. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Let's just hunker. I'm going to just hunker down and, and just hide. Are you kidding me? No, 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 my friend. I want you to know if that is your mentality, you are in the wrong church. Because this church doesn't hunker down. In fact, in the midst of adversity, I think it's our best time to shine. Listen, don't, watch this, don't take what you have and save it up like you're trying to retire on it. Take what you have and give it away like you were made of it. Oh, come on now. Talk to me today. Don't hold on and say what you have like, oh, I got to ration this out because I'm going to retire on this. No, you're not. If you give it away, guess what? There's more where that came from. You see, the five-talent, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost now. Come on now. The five-talent servant had to release it in order to get it back double. So you're going to have to invest some things. You're going to have to, you can't just hunker down and hold on. You know what? You got to give it away because guess what? There's more where that came from. God's made of, whatever it is that you need, God's made of it. And there's more than what you have. Oh, are you feeling this today? Let let me close. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Uh, You'll bury your talent if you're afraid and you'll avoid taking risk. You'll, You'll avoid taking risk. Hear me. This is a church of risk takers. We are going to take some risks. Now, now listen, if you're just hunkering down and holding on to what you have, if you're just going to hold on to what you have, why would God give you more? Watch this. If you're not faithful with what you've been given, why would God give you more to be unfaithful with? This is where it's getting tough. This is where it's getting tough. This one talent, Tom, was hunkered down and just trying to hold on. And look at what Jesus says in verse 26. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. My, 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 my. I read that again this week. I thought, Lord, that sounds harsh. (laughs) You, You called him wicked and lazy. Now, I can get the lazy, but how? Whew, how many, you know, you've ever read this and you think the punishment doesn't really fit the crime? Man, wicked and lazy. You see, th- this is a warning against the dangers of inactivity. 
He was condemned not because he did something bad, but because he did nothing at all. And in this hour where we sense these are the last of the last days, we've got to have our lamps filled with oil like those five wise bridesmaids. We've got to be watching and ready. Lord, we are prepared. But Jesus is telling us this story that we're not just prepared, but that we are productive. That we are putting to use. He said, wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Come on. He went from five to 10. Now this dude's got 11. I mean, the, the, the five-talent servant had been so faithful, man. He's rewarded. Verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more. Come on, somebody say more. Even more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ooh, it's chilling. To hear this story, Jesus is trying to underscore the importance of using what he's given us. Church, we have been given much. God has taken something of himself and placed it inside of you. He says you have wonderful potential, but don't be satisfied with 60 when you were created for 140. You will be held accountable to what you've been entrusted. But don't be afraid. Take risks. Step out in faith. Somebody needs to hear about Jesus, and they won't hear about him unless it comes from you. See, this is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If Jesus were to come back today, what would we say about how we've used what he's given us. Amen. You receive that today. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.